Welcome to Seattle House Mafia's Industry Interviews. I'm Phil, your host, and in each episode, we bring you exclusive interviews with DJs, producers, promoters, and other industry professionals who are passionate about leaving their mark on the dance music scene. But we don't just talk about their careers. We dive deep into their personal lives, what inspires them, where they face challenges, how they balance their personal and professional obligations, and what their aspirations are for the future. Lastly, we end every episode with an exclusive DJ mix so you can experience firsthand our guest's signature sound and style. So join us on this unique journey as we explore the dance music scene and the amazing people who make it happen. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Seattle House Mafia. All right, once again, we are back in the Seattle House Mafia HQ. Uh, tonight's guest has played alongside Gene Ferris, Felix the House Cat, mm. Deep Dish, Doc Martin, to name a few, right? Yep. And I know there's a lot more than that. Yeah. Um, he's also accumulated a bunch of uh, top 10 tracks and some number ones in his production career as well, right? You've done you've done releases on Flash Mob Records, Viva Recordings, Strip Digital Recordings, Open Bar Music, as some examples. So, just a, just a welcome to my old friend Terry Jacento. Thank you very much. So really glad you made it in, man. Yeah, really good. To, really good to be here, and I'm happy happy to to uh, to finally be in your space. I mean, I see it all the time, and I'm like, wow, you know, this is like <laughs> I would hate to move all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> isn't it funny how perspective works like that like some people are like whoa i'd love to have that space like i've sort of created my dream space and you walk in you're like man since you just moved you're like i'd hate to move hate that, to all that, that stuff shit. again you know dude moving records is the worst yeah i mean i've i've uh i've scaled my collection down to 12 crates of records that they're just i just can't get rid of them maybe i can let go of another crate but that's it that's manageable at at at, at almost 50 yeah. Right? yeah you know so yeah yeah. Can, can wait can we swear on this show yeah okay we can right. swear we can swear <laughs> okay. i try not to but then i end up doing it and it's just like whatever it's okay fine. all right yeah, don't right. don't feel bad about swearing if i do an f-bomb or something like that it's not like there's kids it happens like, <laughs> it happens okay. to the best right. of us so well first off why are you in seattle what what brought you up here well uh so i'm you know my mom's up here and you know like, like i was telling sango earlier um love saying a little death and we're just having like uh conversation about our parents and whatnot but you know my mom's getting up there and and she's up here she's all alone and yep. you know she's still super independent and i just wanted to check on her and and just have to be my happened to be my son's spring break nice and so um just brought him up here to visit and then you hit me up and i'm like yeah i'm, I'm i mean I the can timing do it. was so perfect it was perfect right? yeah it definitely yeah it's was, it's yeah. it's interesting i think you myself a lot of people i know are going through this I, nobody ever gave us the deal like we're gonna have to actually sort of take care of our parents in the end right and make sure yeah. they're okay well yeah i wasn't prepped for it either and and i went through a very similar thing until you know my mom passed last year but uh -huh. it was sorry about that yeah. no no yeah. no but i mean she was 92 like she lived a long full life you know what i mean like yeah it's just interesting that i just it wasn't in my it wasn't really in my my awareness that I'm gonna have to make sure my mom's okay, but we're all going through it. I have so many friends going through this thing, well, kind of taking care. Well, I think, I think, I think too. Like you know, when you're saying your mom's 92, I know that you and I are like the same age. Yes. You know, I mean, our parents are 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 World War II parents. Yeah, for right? sure. And so my mom always raised me like, don't worry about me. Don't like totally just live your life and do what you want to do. And 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 she's still 
she still kind of does that. I'm like, mom, why don't you move to San Diego? She's like, what am I gonna do down there? I don't know anybody down there. <laughs> San Diego's right? amazing. It's like she's like she's like a, like she's like an old DJ doesn't want to move out of town. <laughs> you know, like I don't know anybody down there. I want to go to that fucking new city. I, I wanted to stay here with my friends, and <laughs> yeah. now all your friends are dying. And so it's like, come on. same. It was the same with my mom. Yeah, it was really amazing. Yeah, yeah, but you know, it's um, it's actually interesting. You you know, um, we kind of started on this because, um, in January she had an accident. I was up here in January, okay. um, and uh, we were. I was going to take her to the Philippines for the last time, and uh, she had an accident at the airport, so she couldn't actually make that trip. Mm. And that was the first time where I was like, you know, my mom's not going to go anywhere. She doesn't want to go back to the Philippines to live with the relatives. She wants to stay where she is. Right. She's been in Seattle for fifty five years almost now, so she yeah. doesn't know how, how where else to. She doesn't know how to live right. anywhere else, you know, and so. Now I'm just kind of like having these, starting to have these conversations. I have one well, actually with my mom and my son last night. You know, there might be a chance. I might be moving back to Seattle at some point soon. Right. You know, right? So, because I'm I'm, I'm planning to be here like at least three to four times a year. Yeah. Instead of what, that once a year trip. Sure. Now that's going to be a three to four time a year trip. I'm thinking about buying a condo like somewhere in Capitol Hill so I can stop my city life when I'm here. Cause I can't like live with my mom if I'm here for like two weeks. I just, <laughs> I'll just get fat, bro. I, you know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I can't, you know, right? Yeah. But at least, you know, like someday, someday maybe they'll finish that light rail. My mom only lives a few blocks from that light rail in Linwood. And I can right. just hop on that and and go see her not get fat. Right? Yeah. yeah totally. I'm, I'm almost, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. You know, I'm at my high school weight yeah. now. You there know? you go. Like, yeah, you, you look, look good, well, man. You look great too. You know, you, you hit the five oh man. You got to take care of business, and you there's a very. Do. Are you fifty yet? Oh, you're I'm gonna be fifty on Wednesday. That's right. We just yeah. talked. Yeah, yeah, fifty on Wednesday. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, on the one hand, like fifties, it's amazing that we're we're fifty. I never thought I was gonna live past twenty five. I mean, we grew <laughs> we grew up we grew up in very similar similar sets, right? Yes. Like, yeah, exactly. We'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. But but like once I hit fifty. I mean, there's just less margin for error, is what I tell people. That's what it is. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's 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 really it, you're you're definitely right. I think like like you know like my my girl my new girlfriend Karen, you know, and I, yep. we were just talking about this like a couple weeks ago. Like, you know, it's like you don't want to play games. You don't want to do the dating thing anymore. Dating that that's just I just I just look at some of my friends who are like in their thirties. I'm like, God, that that would suck. It's exhausting right? when I watch them. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's so I I've you know I got I got really lucky. Yep. I've been lucky for like twenty something years of my life to have like just good solid like partners, yep. right? And but anyway, anyway, Karen and I were talking about how now it's like there is no margin for error. It's like this is it. I mean, like, like are we gonna grow together or what? And yeah. I'm just kind of like, <laughs> know. you know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> fuck. It's like it's. <laughs> I'm having this kind of conversation now. I know. You know what I'm, I'm saying? It's like, and she got like a fucking piece of mail and was like. She's like, should I join this thing? And I read it, and, and she was. I read the the letterhead, and it was like from the fucking AARP. Oh, dude, I get <laughs> I get hear, I get hearing aid letters. I get I don't know how I got on this list, but I got like some casket service, some hearing aid. Like, do you want to reserve your burial plot now oh, before God. it's too late? I'm just like. We're, What's going on? we're really inspiring the fucking youth here, aren't we? <laughs> we're in it for the music, kids. Um, oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, well. so that's, it's funny. So I, I would love to talk just a little yeah. bit of history, like yeah. where we, because I have known you for a long time. It's yeah. interesting. I was thinking about this. I've known you for a long time, way before the music stuff, right? Yes, right. And, right, right. and then there's like, in my, sort of in my awareness, there's this big gap where I kind of lost track of you. I know uh -huh. we, yeah. we actually played on some, at some clubs yeah. on the same bill before, yeah. but you, you were a little bit, you, you 
had more success, I think, visually in, in the city than I did. Um, but like, so wh when was the first time we met? That was what I was trying to figure out. So <laughs> I think I know, but I'm not totally sure. So I, I just remember this. So we kind of did know each other through the music, but it was a different kind of music. And for all of you, True. for all of you who uh, want to know what what Phil used to kind of wear when he oh, went no. back in the day, We're Phil, here, Phil would Phil would uh, roll around with a, you know, he looks the same. He'd wear the, he'd wear his fucking beefy white t-shirt just to show off his, you know, like his Jason statement fucking, you know, body. And he'd have overalls, but then he'd have, he'd have one flap down. Oh. <laughs> and then he had like that black, the black dickies boots those, the, those, the doc martens the, the doc martens yeah, yeah, boots yeah. or whatever the the, yeah. the steel toe boots yeah for sure and then you know and that was that was kind of like that was like your I look still wear the same thing that was, your, that, yeah, that was <laughs> <laughs> the only thing is i, I keep the, i keep the other the other one up now because it's just it's you too just confusing did. when there's one and, <laughs> well yeah. i mean yeah i mean i, I don't know if you're I, you it wasn't you who like was at power plant on one time and some kid came crying out of the bathroom who had overalls on and they were like, they were like, what happened? And he was like, away oh, my wallet, my car keys, and like some drugs or whatever. And I undid my overall things, and it fell into the porta potty. It was at NAF. That's what yeah, it was. It was at NAF. You can't. But that was yeah, you. You learn with the overalls. You don't put you don't put <laughs> yeah, shit in this pocket because gonna... when you go to the bathroom, it yeah. Oh my god, no. man. <laughs> but we but we met we met we met at uh, if if I would if I would have to bet. It was in it was in high school. Yep, and we met at Charlie Files' house. I think you're right at one of those parties. I think you're yeah, right. Yeah, that's got to be it, somewhere around that era, yeah, right? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. And, and I think the the people we had in common. I think there was like, you know, the Mike Beals and the Tatsine yes, right, and right. the Khalil, and like right. there was this convergence of Juanita High School and Lake Washington High School, where we were down with we were down with each yeah. other, like, and that was like, and that was like. Our senior year, right? And yeah. by the way, when I was telling that story about where I met John Lee for the first time, Mike Beal was the other guy in the breakdown that stuck with me, <laughs> which who John Lee broke up at the Omni. <laughs> the Omni, yeah, yeah the Omni. And for people, for, for <laughs> we're we're dating ourselves, but there was a club in Auburn. Yes, that was like a, a over sixteen. Yes, over sixteen club, right? And, right. And uh, right. it was the Omni. It was like my first intro into like dancing and dance music and like yeah. techno pop and whatever it was called back then. Something right? like that. It Information was, Society and all that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was it was it was that kind. of stuff um it was like black box yeah like cc peniston like yes. like stuff like that yes you know and actually my my first like actual like club experience before the omni was at a place called wanda's and everett do you remember wanda's and everett Dude, i oh, never like went little, to like, wanda's i would go there when i was like 15 or something like that and i would like had to take the bus somewhere to get somewhere to get because <laughs> it was like it's kind of in that pocket of linwood in between like everett and linwood some weird like pocket and it was like this like dance club yeah and they play like that's industrial stuff and there's all sorts of weird people there right you know right and then omni was a thing and then it was the oz the oz right, that's right. yep and then obviously underground the underground was yeah. was it's 18 and up was 18 and up yep yeah and and uh that was u district that was u district yep. so yeah those were like the first like early kind of days yeah, because we were so. If I think back on it, I'm trying to remember. So we were kind of in this in this whole like convergence of right. UW and Juanita, and we'd all end up at the same house parties. We'd yes. actually all caravan sometimes. We meet in like yeah. Totem Lake or Kirkland. Yep, yeah. yep. And like God, now as a 50 year old homeowner, <laughs> yeah. like I think about I think about 35 
you know, V-dub rabbits and bugs yeah, and Chiracos yeah, yeah. showing up to my house while I'm on vacation and my stupid kid's having a house party. Can you yeah, imagine? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it gives this. me anxiety right now yeah. thinking about it. No, I remember I remember in my junior year, you might have been in my, in the last year of my junior year, I, my parents went to work in the morning. I skipped school that day. Oh, and God. a couple of my friends helped me like remove like like some breakable stuff in my house. And like all the junior you know all the all the all the the whole junior class from Juanita high school and maybe some like like Kent Lake Washington yeah, people yeah. came over too and came party to my house from at like 10 o'clock in the morning <laughs> to like three o'clock in the afternoon like 300 kids and like and like a house in Kirkland with like a, like a three-bedroom house right I mean we had we had the hose from the backyard like someone like probably Aaron O'Connor that did it pulled pull the hose like she was probably mad at some dude and she was spraying like like the hose in the kitchen my fucking parents are home at six o'clock and so everyone got we got we kicked everyone out around three or four and a crew of like five ten people helped clean everything up no. and that was it and it was like hush it wasn't like the parents like left for the weekend no the parents left for work and we had a <laughs> fat party <laughs> but that was that was fucking cooperation right that's yeah that's yeah. that's like that's like coordination to, yeah. to party right like right 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 i used to it's, and the original these are high school kids how how fucking did that how did that happen nothing got broken nothing got stolen nothing it was it's that gen x work, weird. work yes ethic. exactly <laughs> don't fuck with the gen x people right <laughs> well yeah. I, because you probably came to my house my mom so when my dad passed when i was like 10 or 11 right uh -huh. and so my mom had to go back to work as a nurse, but okay. she was working nights. And so I used to have what we called nine to niners. And I definitely, uh -huh. you came to my house because yeah. we'd, she would leave for work at 8.30 at night and come back at nine in the morning. Oh, so we could do yeah. kind of the same thing. Yeah, I remember that. And stuff. people could come and just hang out. And I, yeah. I do not know how we pulled that off all the time, but I don't it know. just, yeah. I, I can't imagine like millennials doing that shit. <laughs> yeah. and, I just like being, yeah, like I said, being a homeowner and thinking about your stupid kid doing something like that, but it, it happens. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, okay. so we definitely before the before the music stuff we're we're hanging out at the same house parties. Right. We knew a lot of the same people. Yeah, yeah. And then I think you're right. I think what happened. This is where I, I'm gapped a little bit. What happened is we all started like Omni, Oz, yep. Underground, uh -huh. and mm -hmm. I mean, what what drew you into all that? So like, gosh, it was really, it was it was we were we were all kind of going to like, like those clubs. Like, yeah. Flowers, remember flowers? Yes. Like one of my favorite stuff nights. Like that. Donald used to play up flowers on Wednesdays, you know, right? And then, yeah, and then and then and then like and then like the rave scene kind of like spurted off out of all of that stuff, yep. like that Ballard Firehouse, right? Right, that stuff, or like or like stuff at like the train station, and things just started like kind of happening. I think yeah. we just kind of like kind of like all kind of just gelled into that I somehow, think you're right. right? You know, but but as far as like going back to your point about well. We used to play, we were on the same bill at some point. Like, I remember, like, I think you were playing with, like, like Chris Fields and those guys, yeah. right? Like, yeah, you know, that, the radio, radio promotions yeah. and all that stuff, like Chris and Sean and yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then that group kind of, like, blended a lot with the early Uniting Souls days, right? Yep, that's right. And then, and then, you know, back then, it was, like, one of those, oh, you're not part of my crew, or you're not going to play for me. And, and everyone, everyone kind of, like, had their own thing going on, yeah. right? I, like, you had like you know like 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 Anthony doing the showbox and like yep. you know Brian Lyons doing like the OK Hotel yep right and then United Souls music and like you guys would like would do like I Spy yeah right and then everyone was, was kind of just doing their own thing and and then what happened was I kind of became more 
involved in the after hours scene. And right. that was completely whole. For a while, I was kind of like doing it both. Right. But then I just found after a while that the music and the vibe was just, was, was kind of more congruent in the after hours scene with my music than I, than I was in the 10 to 2 part of the night. Right. And I kind of went into that. And then the big gap happened was when I moved from Seattle. Remember, I, I moved away in 2003. You went to Miami? Or? I went to Miami. Okay. Right. Went to Miami and I did the music thing there for, for um, a couple of years. Then I had my kid, my first kid, and I was at the Winter Music. I can remember. I can remember the 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 moment was it was like the, it was at the Winter Music Conference in two thousand five. I had like three or four gigs in the same day, and the promoters kept on moving things around. Like it was just a just a big shit show. Totally. And my and my first kid at that point was like five six months old, and I was like. What the fuck am I doing out here? Why am I? Why? Why? Why is this? Is this isn't important to me right now? Right. And that's when I just kind of separated from it all for a while. I, okay. Right. So that's kind of where that gap of time is because some people have that same question: what What happened to you? What did you do? Right. You know. And um. And so I was. I still. So everything the early days like the Sea Sound Lounge, all that stuff. Right. The early days of like um. You know um um or like what's that. Electric tea garden that place. Right. I didn't. I wasn't here for those times. Okay. I was gone. I would watch that stuff on like Friendster or something or MySpace, right? You know. And then and then and then and then and then um, and then and then Monkey Loft opened up, and I was like, God, oh, it looks really cool, and this and that. And I, but all that time, I still I was still always collecting music, but I wasn't doing anything with you it. You weren't actively playing out. I wasn't Mostly. even playing at home. Okay. I wasn't even like I wasn't even mixing at home. I had like okay. I had like I, I I literally went from like vinyl, maybe like the first version of like CDJs, and then I stopped for a good nine years. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. For a good nine years. Yeah. I sort of thought, but I wasn't sure because yeah, you, when did you actually first start DJing? The ninety five. Okay. And I was like ninety seven. Like yeah. Yeah. What? So. Yeah. You started DJing in '95. Was it was it the whole rave scene that inspired you to do that? No, I mean actually, it was just one of those. I mean, I I, I guess. I mean, what else would it have been? But but it was one of those things where I, I I never really had that intention of like you know of of like I never had any goals with it. I I I literally just like got some equipment, got some records, and and just started doing the bedroom thing. And I remember back then, God, it took me like six months to you know match my first beat i mean it was like one of those things that i had a belt drive turntable and a technique like a jc penny's belt drive turntable <laughs> and a techniques 1200 and it's like you can't you make me feel better about myself because it took me a long time how to figure out how to match beats on vinyl too <laughs> it took a long it took it took a long time i mean it's a whole like especially when you can only adjust a pitch of one like oh, boy, thing, yeah. right it's even worse right you know but but then it's like but then it but then it happened and then it just and then and then you know you're you're you okay, oh I can match beats now. And then all of a sudden you're trying to mix everything, meaning you're trying to mix the entire record from beginning to end. It doesn't sound like does sound good. Right. So then then you then you know, then then back then records aren't really made for like long like like mixes. And then and then all of a sudden, you know, there's um there's uh there's a couple of there's a couple of records that's um that I call, or that not I call, but they're they're kind of industry. They're called blueprint. They're called blueprint records. Okay, you know what those are? Of what a blueprint record is? They're a record where um, 
They're a record that they that kind of changes the definition of oh, of a, either a genre or the way like songs are made. Right. And you probably have this record in your collection. One of them is is uh, Halo and Hippies that that I, that that hear this sound. I definitely that have that, that that one siesta. It was like a yep that that tracky long tribal thing that just goes on and on and on and on and on. And then and then I think from there. That's when that was like that kind of coincided with the early days of like Chus and Sabalos. And that's when kind of like John, that whole progressive house, tribal progressive thing, right. kind of like kind of like became more structured. And 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 then you'd notice that records became more like instead of being six minute long songs, they were like nine minutes now. Right? The nice long the intro, nice long, nice long outro. Yeah, right. A little more predictable. Yeah, a little I know more what predictable. You mean. You know, because in like the early '90s, it was just it was like you're doing radio mixes. Yeah, still for you sure, know, right? Yeah. So, okay, no, that's helpful. Okay, yeah. so so fast forward, we go okay. to 2000, like three, five. You're in Miami. You're yeah. not doing. I'm anything. not doing anything. Yeah, I do, yeah. Like, and also too, like like the people that I, I had, I had a pretty good network of people um, that I was working with. But all of a sudden, within like a year's time, everyone I was working with like moved. They moved back to New York. They moved yeah. to L.A. So kind of my my personal and professional music network kind of broke down pretty quickly. Okay, if that makes any sense. And and Miami, it's very, um, it's very uh, at that time even more so than Seattle. It was very hard to break into the local scene. I mean, they like, look, I mean, you're you're going up against Oscar G in space. I mean, no one's no one's, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's gonna be if he wants to play eight hours, he's gonna play eight hours in that main floor. You're not gonna get the opening slot. Right. You know, he opens. And he closes, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like you got those established, like really established uh, few DJs, you know, in that town at that time. And the town, I mean, thank, thankfully for the town. And I think that's why Miami was has such a good music scene was they were very loyal to their locals. And, and, and I started seeing that in Seattle just from afar when I was gone, right. you know, because remember back in our day, it's like, you know, we'd be playing all of a sudden like that. It's like someone bringing the headliner that played it whatever club and they're like hey they're gonna play now and we're like wait a second they're not even on the floor <laughs> remember that man yeah, yeah. like there was like no respect for anybody you know i i, I remember I, and i hated seeing that with i i hated seeing like my friends thankfully it didn't happen to me but I, i'd see some of my friends who were like up and coming djs who'd bring like 50 people to the club but then all of a sudden another promoter with a, with the headliner oh they want to play and then right. the promoter of the party that my friend was playing at who had brought all those people Got kicked off the decks, right? Right? You know they don't. They don't. They didn't do that shit in Miami, right? And I don't. And I don't imagine they do that stuff here now. But back when in our time, that was a very regular thing. Yeah. You know, and that that really stuck. And I, yeah. I think that was pretty disheartening for like the local DJ sense. And and you know, in for way, sure, right? Yeah. Like if you have that already, you're nervous and. You know, yeah. you want to do a good job, and then you have this hanging over your head that somebody might show up and and they do, you. <laughs> and and you know, and you and you planned your set. Maybe you went to Platinum and bought like a hundred bucks worth of like records, oh, and you yeah. got like six tracks out of it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, <clears throat> right? Yeah, you know, know it's yeah. it's uh, it, it was um it, it 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 was yeah definitely a different time and day, but but Miami was really it was really tough to crack. I got lucky. I met I met a few really key people. That um, moved away and ended up doing stuff in other cities, but but like I said, it was just a a family thing. I put my I, I kind of like reprioritized my family at that time, and as you should, yeah, yeah. But you yeah. weren't producing then, though. Nope, nope, nope. Okay, so there nope. wasn't it wasn't like coinciding. It was it was all DJ stuff to when till two thousand till two thousand five. Yeah, five it was just all then... DJ. I mean, I I would try to produce some things, but remember back then, I mean, you were dealing with like. Reason. 
Maybe. Reason, Ableton, before you can even export anything out of Ableton. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it was like you would make sounds in Reason. And Reason Sequencer was crap back then. It was like it was like a graph paper. You know, remember that? I like, couldn't even thing. wrap my head around Reason. You can wrap, you know. I so, bought it. It was, it was just, I was like, I can't, I don't know. So, like, do. my whole workflow was, like, make the sounds in Reason, export into Pro Tools. Because okay. Pro Tools had, like, a nice, like, like sequencer back then. But yep. still, it was just one of those things where, you know... I didn't know how to finish music back then. I remember back then, it's different than today. I mean, today, like back then, people had their techniques and they had their secrets and that was their secret sauce. I mean, right. like, right? I mean, you know, people were, you were encouraged to share knowledge back then. Now, it's really key. If you're not sharing any knowledge, you're not getting followers on Instagram. Yep. So people, so it's really easy to find knowledge nowadays. I mean, yep. there's a lot of great knowledge out there. You know, I don't even ask my fucking friends anymore how to make a baseline. I just, I just type in YouTube how to make a house baseline, and <laughs> yep. and there's a there's a downloaded template for you, and you can just download it and just make it your own. So that's a great that's the I think that's a really big key difference. And I think for me, <clears throat> I just didn't have the the patience. I want to say not the discipline, but but no, the patience to to finish music like I do today. Right. You know. Yeah. Or the knowledge either. Or the knowledge. Yeah. yeah. Or the knowledge either. Yeah. Yeah. So well. When did you then start producing? So really, I um, I really started producing probably seriously producing 2018. So just... Oh, man. I, yeah. For some reason, I thought it was much longer than that. So mm -mm. 2018. Nope. Yeah, 2018. Like, um, I I um, finished my first, like, actual song. Like, I was like, wow, I actually can, can put this out. This is something that I'm proud of. And... Um, I've been working kind of with that same formula ever since. Like I've, 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 I've tried to veer away from the, a certain structure. Cause like, cause like it, it's, you know, I, I was, I was talking with a, a really nice gentleman today um, uh, about, he sent me some tracks and uh, he'd said, Hey, you know, um, Terry, this is, I get some feedback about these tracks. I, I'm not really good at breakdowns. I'm not really good at, at, at that stuff. And I, and I listened to his tracks and, you know, I said, yeah, you're, you're right. You don't have any tension. You're, you have really good elements, mm -hmm. but, but, but you got to build tension in your music. And that's where, and it's really a, about not like putting a bunch of like 20, 50 different you know, things together and just making this monster wall of sound. It's about ha using what you have. And, and, and I always say the magic happens with the automation. And if you could get really good at automation, you can have only a few elements and make them sound different and build tension and and uh, and build texture in your in your music, right? And so when I finally learned to do that, that's for me. That's when things just kind of started like taking off. I started finishing tracks faster, um, but I stick with the same basic structure. So if you listen to all of my music, they kind of break down in the same way. They build up in the same way. They drop in the same way. Um, and part of me is part of me is like. You know, part of me is uh, thinking that maybe I gotta do something new or whatnot. But yeah, at the same time, I'm like, you know, it's, it's, it's nowadays. It's when you produce. It's about speed, about how you, how how long you get something out. Right. Because there's a there's some like right now I'm really struggling with with a project and and it's it's coming to the point where I like it. I know it's not my best work, but I like it. I'm gonna put it out. But I'm struggling to get to that like to get it over the hump okay you know um and 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 sometimes 
that's the danger with some of these with sticking to the same thing that you do is that it, it works but at the same time too it can backfire in the sense that you can get you can kind of get sick of it in a way right uh, yeah it. right you know at quickly you know and then you start to ask yourself am i holding myself back by saying with this technique this formula sound whatever right yeah i mean it's 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 that's the thing right there, there's there's so much we have that that's there's so much stuff i think like one of the biggest challenges today about doing like being a both a dj and and a producer is is that there's too much to do as far as okay if you spend time learning okay everything everything's all about opportunity cost you know that you know the concept in economics opportunity cost if you're not doing something or if you're doing something you're not doing another thing and is the cost of what you're currently doing greater than the cost of what you're not doing and should you be doing that so so it so when you have a limited amount of time in the day us 50 year olds fucking do right right you know whether you have dogs kids full-time job or whatever yep you only have so much time for music yep what does that involve does that involve you spending all that time making music does that involve also some of that time so in that in that time if you divide up that time you're making music and you're learning about how to produce music and then not only that you have to promote your music right and and that right there and i find that some of the biggest challenges today as a producer is fucking spending the time promoting your music i know Instead of just making the fucking music, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and then that's not even prepping for your gigs and, and maybe even hustling for gigs or trying to work out calendars and those logistics, right? Don't, yeah, I mean, ex- ex- exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so, and, and um, you know, so like, okay, so speaking of the whole, ec- you know, opportunity cost last year was just, you know, as a DJ having a good problem of, having so many gigs that you can't get back in the studio. And I personally find that um, I'm just come at the point in my life where I'm happiest making music. Okay. But it's also a struggle at the same time when it's, when you're not getting the result that you need because you know, there's something, you know, you have to spend time learning something, get you over a hump, but then you're not spending time promoting your fucking music that you just released. <laughs> right? right. Right. You know, and that takes, and that takes work. You got to, you gotta, you know, socializing music. You gotta make posts about it. You gotta think about what you're gonna say. You gotta share your music with your friends. I mean, like I said, these are all good problems to have. I just wish I had a doppelganger to fucking help me with my problems. No, absolutely. You know, you know what I'm absolutely. saying, right? Yeah. 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 So what? So what was it that clicked in 2018 okay. that got you into producing in the first place, right? Because I mean, like me, I never got went down that road, and I started DJing just a couple years after you. Yeah, but what? It, like 20 years later, you after DJing, all of a sudden you decide to to produce. I mean, you know, I think I think really it was, you know, um, I think a big part of it was was you know Jason Takeda. Yeah, you know he um, he uh, he uh, you know was I was going through like my you know, my divorce and my separation at that time, you know, um, you know, from, from mom, my kids, who's a great, great person and great mother and, and love her to death. Still, we're still friends to this day. That's great. But Jason was really supportive at that time with me and all that. And he, uh, he was like, you know, you know, and this was around the time, like, like Noble died. Okay. Right. Yeah. And, uh, 
That's right. You know, Jason would tell me stories like, you know, there's people that are actually like mad at you that you're not DJing anymore or like you're not like, you know, I'm like, what? You know, and, you know, and then, and then I think like Noble, like kind of like uh, passing away, it had a really big impact on me because, you know, it's like you have your friends that you always kind of like, yeah, one day we're going to do this and one day we're going to do that. And, and you have all these dreams together, right? And I think part of it was, a big part of it was I didn't want to let those dreams like die. Yeah. Right? Like people, like, you know, Noble, like, like you know, like like there's Donald who like kind of, I think, me and him, me, in fact, me and Donald talked about this like a couple weeks ago, um, actually a couple months ago after his birthday um, in December about like how, you know, we had a, you know, like people, like 20 people in the house for all from San Diego didn't really know our history and we're sharing our history and I tell them, well, Donald really taught us DJs how to, you know, in Seattle, kind of how to have, be dominant behind the decks, like have a really dominant like stage presence. Not like Donald, not right. throwing your hands up in here and this and that, Yelling at but people. you got to have something. Yeah. You know, because 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 back then it's like Donald was such a force of nature, and he still is such a force, man. You know, and like and like people that didn't either, they didn't want to open for him, they didn't want to follow him. So <laughs> you really had to think about totally. what you're gonna do. And I think I think as a collective, out of everywhere I've been in the world, not like I'm a fucking globe trotting Jamie Jones, but but I think that Seattle DJs probably are as as a group are probably some of the best groups of as is probably some of the best DJs in the world mm. as a group. Yeah. Right. Like, like you know, because Donald, you had to have, you had, you couldn't fuck up, right? And so, I mean, and and you're talking about guys like you know, like us or guys that learned how to DJ back when he was around here. Yeah. Right. You know, and you had to have something about who you were behind the decks that wasn't him, but that was good enough to keep people's attention. Right. You know. Right. I mean, I've been, I've been like, look, I, twenty percent of my gigs back then that I got. Was because Donald didn't make it to the gig, and I had my records in my car. <laughs> and I remember this one time at Contour, you know, Donald was supposed to play, and um, you know, I can't remember who was proing the show, but Donald was stuck at the border somewhere, couldn't make it or something like that. So I got my records in the car because the promoter was like, "Terry, you got your records." I'm like, "Yeah." And so I put got my records in the car, and you know, and and some kid when was front center. What the fuck is this? This isn't Donald Glaw. What the oh, fuck? No. Like yelling. Yeah. Like like in like full club. You know, contour back then it was like packed, right? Yeah. Yep. Who the fuck is this? What the <laughs> fuck, right? And I'm saying I'm trying to fucking mix my first record and this and that. He's still yelling. He gets closer. I fucked this. I came here to see Don. What the fuck? <laughs> and then by the third record, you know, I, I there was silence. And then by the third record, I looked and he's looking at me like, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. like like that, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And he was okay, but that was kind of like you had to like kind of like bring it. You, you had were in to the bring trenches, it. man. You had to bring it, you know. And yeah. then obviously Wesley, you know, Wesley was you know as my one of my early mentors. He taught me about just keeping shit simple, mm. you know, and being perfect with your mixing, right? Like you don't got to do all this scratchy shit or blah blah blah. Yeah, you can still like rock the crowd by being perfect with your mixing. But Noble though, he really was the one that really taught me how to tell the story with your music. Mm. Right? You know? So, so I always like, whether I'm deep, you know, playing a DJ set or making music, I always think about like, you got to tell that story. And Noble, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I, um, I, I, I've, um, I, I collect, I, 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 I maintain a SoundCloud page. You know, I raise money for it every year and like the community here always like gives five bucks, 10 bucks or whatever to pay for a SoundCloud page. 
kind of feel kind of responsible for keeping his like music alive uh, just through that small way and it's really funny because not funny but i know that noble like just being with him so much he always has cd for something some event like if he got together with a girl you know he'd like make a cd for her and all of a sudden it's like okay you know he's with a new girlfriend because he made the cd now everybody has it and you no, know, Noble didn't really talk a lot, so everyone right. knew how he felt through the CDs. Wow. And conversely, when he'd break up with some girl, he'd make a fucking CD, wouldn't give it to the girl, but but like would give it to everybody else, and he knew that you knew what the story was behind those CDs. So so he made these personal CDs for a lot of different people. A lot of them weren't really widely um widely circulated. Okay. Right? And so randomly, like maybe once a year, someone will hit me up and say, hey. I found this noble, the CD from Noble, and it'd be just for them, right? And it'd be this gem of a story that he made just for that person. Yeah. And I and now and I and I find, I put those up on a SoundCloud page when I I digitize them, oh, make sure cool. you know a lot of them are scratched up, and I have sure. to like fix them and stuff. But but um but um but yeah, so so he he really taught me how to tell the stories, and so so going back to he and I just spending a lot of time together, and and what I do with my music now, a lot of it's because just to keep his spirit alive and just to kind of keep those promises that we made to each other. Like, this is what we're going to do someday and we're going to do this. And, you know, and 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 slowly and surely enough, um, those things are coming to fruition. Wow. Right? You know? That's so, pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah. I, if, if it's too, um, too complex to talk about, but I'd really love to understand, like, when you say tell a story with, uh -huh. with, your, with your sets mm -hmm. or with your music or how Noble did it, like, can you describe that a little bit yeah like what 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 are you thinking about what how, how what's the process well i think a big part of it is playing some music that people know you by right like i'll, I'll play mm. people like the other the other the other night in san diego at a, at, a, at a party i was playing i was playing a song and the girl was like god you always play this song but here she is grooving to it of course you know she's not like he always fucking played this song. She's, she's like, he always played it, but she's grooving to it, have a good time and all that stuff. I think that's part of it is is, is building um, an identity with your sound, right? There's some guys that like, and, 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 and you know, and that's and that's okay. And it's there's some people that just, every gig they'll go out, they'll go to Beatport, they'll download 20 new songs and they'll just play that and that's their set. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's what That's what they do and they right. do it well. Me, I'll, I'll play the same shit. Some, I mean, it, depending on what I'm playing. Like, I, I'm not going to play the same song every set. But if I play like a Deep House set, you will probably hear me play a song I've, I've been playing for five, six years during a Deep House type of set. Got it. So I think <clears throat> I think really like um, like uh, creating your identity through music by playing things that people know you by, right? And then obviously finding music that's congruent with who you are. And then when you tell that story... It's it's all about. I mean, I know it's cliche. Oh, it's about you know, it's about the vibe and this and that, or it's about how you feel. But it's it's really a combination of what's going on in that moment, you know. Yeah. What's the story of the moment now? Right. Not what's my story, not what's my girlfriend's story, or the person I broke up with, or or the person I dance for. What is our story, right? Right now in this moment, you know, and and what can we all capture together as? You know, as a DJ, as someone on the dance floor, what can we make this a moment about? And how can we like make a memory together that's gonna haunt us for the rest of our lives? Right? That's yeah. that's what that is all about. 
and and you know yeah no that's so cool it's it's there it's so a couple of things i think when you're talking about that, I, I started to think maybe maybe some of this comes from the vinyl days, right? Yeah. Because a the shit was expensive, yeah. you know, yeah. and and b you you know we were up at Platinum every Tuesday or whatever they yeah. the new stuff came in, <laughs> and you would find those signature records. Yeah. Like I remember because I, I would break into a little bit of Latin, you know, yeah. when I was playing yeah. vinyl a lot, right? And I always had that that. Uh, afro medusa right yeah, like that yeah. was like one of my sort of signature <laughs> yeah, yeah, i'm gonna yeah. throw this but oh, it's time you know? <laughs> yeah. but yeah, yeah maybe it's a little bit of a hangover from the vinyl days yeah. but but it really it but more I, I do i do appreciate the depth that you went into because I, I think also a lot of people who djing is more accessible now which is great yeah right, right. and producing is more accessible which is great but i also feel like maybe some of the the emphasis on the the music and why the music maybe is lost a little bit. Like, it, oh yeah. And I just feel like in general, maybe I I always say this and it almost sounds like prickish, but like I don't really want to deal with you if you don't love the music. Like if you're not right. doing this because you like we are music lovers. We were music lovers before house music, right? right? Yeah, like, exactly. Hip hop, yeah. whatever, yeah. like new wave or whatever was the thing. We were I, you found that same crew that I think I knew guys from your school. I think Bernie. You remember yeah, Bernie. Bernie Bell? Yeah, Bernie Bell. Yeah, I remember yeah. he wouldn't eat lunch so he could yeah. buy the new Tribe CD. Yeah, like that's a music that, lover, yeah. dude. <laughs> like, yeah, that was that was that was how I was how was how was when I was same when when I when I when I started buying records. It's like I was on that tuna and rice diet. I mean, I'm telling you, fuck it. You know, I, would, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't pay bills. I'd have like a thousand dollar power bill. I just fucking same, get out of platinum. Same. You know, I mean, that's the, I mean, and, and, and you want to know what? I mean, it's like, and speaking about like, you know, when you'd be down there on Tuesday, hey, I was the guy when I found a song that I really liked. I didn't want anybody else in the city to have it. So I'd go to every record shop and I'd buy it. I'd fucking buy it. If I saw it again, like, <laughs> you were there, the guy. I would buy it, you know, and I remember this one time I, I was, uh, I was, I was, it was hilarious. I, I, uh, I had, you know, I had this girlfriend. She was mad at me and I was at work and she, you know, we got some argument on the phone and she was like, if you don't come home now, I'm going to scratch your raw soul, true science record. Ooh. Right. You know, that record, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that one, I'll leave that, what, that, that, you know, like, like, like everybody wanted for yep. like a while. Right. Yep. And, and like, and like, you know, she was like, she was like, okay, whatever. And I, and, and I didn't, she thought I was going to run home from work and just clock out and run home from fucking Macy's or the bomb marché downtown or whatever it was right. called. I didn't come home until after my shift and open my door. And there she was with my Russell record with a key. I'm going to fuck you, blah, blah. I'm going to scratch this if you don't say you're sorry or, or something like that. <laughs> and then and then she was expecting me to react. And I'm just like, yeah, whatever. That's fine. She's like, she looks at me and then she kind of like, you know, relaxed. Like, what do you mean? And I'm like, and I go to my record fucking shelf and I had five copies of that shit. <laughs> go and scratch. I got five fucking copies. You know, what you I'm bought saying? them all. I book and I bought them all and all. But I mean, but but I mean, but I mean that 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 I think that's very emblematic now of what I'm sorry. That was very emblematic of what was going on back right. then when I went back to the hey when you had your secrets. Yeah, you had your secrets, and if you're really a greedy motherfucker with your records, you buy a white label and put that shit on a fucking moody record and like write some other shit like <laughs> you call it something else some people train spotting it they're like oh it's that and you're just like yeah you know yeah <laughs> right so but i mean now it's like now it's like there's there's yeah there's there's so much music but there's a lot of good music out there's there which i really music. love like i know that i think the worst part was going to like platinum and like listening three hours to a stack of records and thinking you're gonna spend your whole paycheck on five records but 
it didn't happen. That's yep. the worst. That's the worst. You know, now it's you can find very easily a lot of stuff, which which is good and bad. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's almost overwhelming sometimes. I, I was telling I was thinking I was telling you earlier when you first got here, like one of my favorite things, you know, you just run the you run whatever somebody's top 100 playlist yeah. or somebody's charts or whatever. And when I'm working, doing super boring shit, but, and I know Paul does this too. Uh -huh. Like we, we were very habitual about this. And one of my favorite things is I'll, I'll stop what I'm doing and say, Oh, I need this track. And then I see, Oh, it's Terry's track. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I love it. Bye. You know, and, and, but, but there is that moment where I wish I could buy it all. So like somebody right. else can't grab it, but it's, it doesn't work that it way. It doesn't anymore. work that way. It, it doesn't work that way. I'm anymore. sure you'd appreciate it if I bought 10. 10 <laughs> yeah, I, well, I mean, Wesley always says, Hey, you got that number one track. Cause I bought 30 of them. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's like, it doesn't work that way. Unfortunately. Unless you had 30 different usernames on yeah. track source, you know, right. <laughs> Like yeah. I remember, I sent you that video when we were on, when I was playing that set on Woodby Island. I do uh -huh. the thing out on the yeah, balcony. You yeah. have to come up sometime, and it's beautiful. It's fun to DJ out yeah. there on my on Looks my great. my patio. But I I played that track, and I didn't even realize it was your track till I rewatched the video, and I was like, "What track is this?" Or my girlfriend comes and gives, or uh -huh. my wife girlfriend at the time comes and gives me a kiss, and that was literally one of your tracks. And then I had sent you the little clip of the video. That yeah, was, I remember that. It's pretty nice. amazing. Yeah. Like, but but that was like total surprise. That was not planned. It just happened to be this moment with my wife and it just happened to be your track playing that i had dropped in that i wasn't even paying attention you know it's so cool like i just yeah. love, love those like synchronous moments that happen yeah. with my friend's music so yeah i mean that, that, that's that's like that's you know thank you for that yeah. by the way that mean that definitely means a lot and like i love i i i, I sometimes you know i mean as as a as an artist you know it's like we we always have this like the 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 specter of imposter syndrome oh for sure and 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 being you know getting all the gray it gets even worse right you know like it gets like you got like three imposters now right yep. you know yep. right like like on your shoulder and so it's like it's, it's it's really interesting whenever i start feeling that way i've learned to like push through it but what really helps is that you know i'll get that way i'll feel that way and all of a sudden some random person from somewhere around the world will like start following my instagram profile and they'll say Hey, this track I did it, it. It I played it last night, and it and everyone the dance floor loved it. Or someone will say yeah. I I fucking made a baby to this track, and I'm, totally. I mean, just random stuff like that, and from people that you've never met before. Yep. And that's what makes it all worth it, right there. You just never know like who your music's gonna touch, yeah. or, or 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 in what way, you know. And, and I'd be like, that's not even my favorite fucking song. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's no, nice. that's really cool. That's gotta be. <laughs> I think that's, you know, that's the one thing I think with the, I never got into the production side, mm -hmm. but I could see that being super impactful because yeah, I mean, I look at you guys and my, my guess is like, you're sitting, you know, you're, you're whatever your job is during the uh -huh. day, but then you're literally clocking four hours a night in front of a computer screen, making tracks, making beats like, and, and it's a lot of isolation and it's a lot yeah. of work and you're in your own vacuum and there's only so much feedback you can get from you know, your peers along the way. Uh -huh. So it must be super cool to just randomly hear from somebody to tell you that stuff. You know, I mean, you know, so those those random four-hour nights where you're just tracking away, I wish that was the truth. Oh, really? That's actually very, very rare. And and I think, I think for me, for me, it's like, it's like my process. I, I always tell people this, you know, like, you know, that who, who want to produce music. They're like, I don't have the, three hours to do it. You know, I don't have the three days a week, the three hours of time to do it. I'm like, you know what? Even if you do it, and this is my thing, even even if you do it for 
30 minutes okay or 15 minutes or a half an hour every little thing always adds up to something bigger right and so for my process it's all about like you know like like kind of i i, I spend the most time collecting what i want to put into a track mm. right you know um you know, and I'm not like a Rodriguez Jr. I can just make shit out in the air and just fucking, I mean, I wish I was, but I'm not that guy, you know, but, um, but my thing has always been harmonizing sounds. Okay. Right. Things that are not even like in the same key frame or whatever, but they sound good together and that's okay. Right. There's, I, I'm kind of like the no rules type of person when I, when, when I, when I make music, but that can also kind of be frustrating. And then that's kind of what I call the loop phase where you're just collecting things or you are, you're making some stuff. You know, and you're finding sounds to kind of put together. Does this work together? And you're kind of experimenting with some effects on, on, uh, um, on your on the tracks or the samples that you have or whatever you know MIDI riff you made, um, and then, and then you get something to sound really good, and, and you're building a groove. The scariest part about producing music is you're getting this groove. You feel really great about. It, you spent like a few days making this groove, but then you have to take it apart to make it into a song. Mm. And then sometimes you like, and it's like with this one project, I got, I got, I got the groove going. Oh fuck, this is gonna be great! I, got, I can make three fucking songs out of this one. Then I took it apart to where you know you have to like have the kick drum start first, and then the then that's then the hi hat comes, and the clap, and then whatever you have to build a song out of it, and it just doesn't sound the same, mm. right? And then and then that's the most challenging part of making music for for me is taking the song out of that what I call the loop phase where you're just playing a groove and you can be you could you could like even be spending an hour just listening to it thinking oh yeah this is great this is great what am I gonna do next you know and then your next session you think you're gonna do something you don't and then it just kind of stays in that and that's I think a lot of producers kind of get in stuck there they get stuck there right <clears throat> and so <clears throat> sorry and so you you have to like um once you get out of that, out of that, out of that phase, that's and then and then then you have to make the hook, the the breakdown. Okay. Right, and and that's where people, that's where tracks die. Oh it's, really? Yeah, that's where a lot of tracks die. Because that I think I think as a, as a producer, that's the that's the hardest part of the song to make is is the hook. Okay. Because you know you can like if you could imagine like all the records that you that you like like some of your favorite songs, you you got the groove, you got the groove that's just kind of getting you into the song. But then what's gonna keep you listening to the song? Right. And that's why, you know, nowadays it's that nowadays it's like the big drop is synonymous to things. And now right. now even Deep House has like a big drop, you know? Yeah. Like stuff like that. So I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I can't remember what the original thing we're talking about was. But we were but what I'm saying is that, that whole process. No, you know, I mean it's, it's all in line with what I what I was asking. It's I, well, first of all, you you kind of demystified it a little bit for me, which was, you know, my assumption was always you guys are sitting no oh, grinding. That's okay. The point, okay, that, that was that was right. When I spend four hours is when I have that breakthrough. Uh, and when I have that breakthrough, that's when I could stay in the studio from like nine o'clock at night to so seven that's in the, the morning. Rush. That's like you're in the pocket. I'm in the pocket there. Oh, <laughs> Almost got it. Okay. There's only a few electronics around okay, here. Okay. <laughs> I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I, <laughs> I got excited. No, but that, that, was, that was the point though. It's it's very, very for me, it's very seldom that I spend four hours or more even more than two hours to got it. To to in, in my production. You know? Okay. Yeah. And I, I I find that if I'm not 
in that groove, I can't spend more than an hour or two. I just can't do it. You're you're systematically you know? inspiring me and and making me feel like a total half ass because I was I was like I just don't have that kind of time. I just no, you, you do, you <laughs> I do. Know I, I do. mean, you, you can make the time. It's killing me now. You know, it's embarrassing. yeah. And then, and then when you, when you get into that groove, nothing else fucking matters. Yeah, like man. you won't. I won't even eat. You know, know and that's when saying. I that's when I finish the track or at least get it to like where I I'm 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 pretty much done and all I'm gonna right. do is do some tweaks and then it's done. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. No, that's that's very that's fascinating actually. And you know, I, the truth is like everybody's process is different. I was talking yeah. to John, his process yeah. is a little bit different and, and yeah, so that's that's cool to know. Okay. Yeah. Interesting, man. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, with that like so you you know, going back to San Diego for a second, what I've and, and maybe this is just my perception because I pay more attention now, mm-hmm. but it seems like, you know, you said you started producing in 2018. I figured mm-hmm. you'd do, been doing it much longer, but you've been, it just seems like you've been busier than ever, both uh-huh. producing uh-huh. and, and DJing, mm-hmm. right? Is that, is, is that just perception or is that actually going on? You're busy doing this stuff now. Well, like, like I said, you know, it all goes back to the, what we do with our time and the opportunity cost right. of what we do with our time. I think, um, a lot of, I did a lot of production during COVID year because we sure. were doing events. I mean, I was doing the, the Dance Classique Wednesday live stream because we just wanted to keep the whole Wednesday thing going. And that was, and then there was undergrounds and break-ins that we would do and yeah. get shit for. Oh God, you guys are super spreaders and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> You're killing grandma. You're killing people, you know, and, <laughs> and right. all that stuff. And very polarizing stuff but you know it's like like, dude when you know when you're passionate about something you're gonna find a fucking way to do it i know you know and you're not gonna care i mean what what it is you're gonna find a way to do it and i think like i think last year was in the last like four years we'll call it five years now of producing music i think last year was probably my slowest since my first year as far as okay. producing tracks because of all the events I was doing. I see. Okay. Because it was like COVID. So COVID's done. Our lo- shutdown's done. Now it's like everyone wants to do stuff. Right. Everyone wants to do events. And, and San Diego just kind of blew up. And then all these crews that you're hanging with during uh, during COVID year, now these party crews, you know, they're, they're, they're doing stuff. And everyone's doing stuff. And, and it, it was one of those years where I was like, God, I wish I was just back in the studio again. And so... Mm. And so... 2023 this year i i really had just kind of made an agreement to myself going you know i'm just going to do my weekly okay and do a couple one-offs here and really just try to focus um on producing music because that's that's just kind of at my i'm just at the point in my life where that's what i kind of want to just keep doing and that's where i'm happiest right is is that so know? not playing out now it's it's producing music like if you have to choose one or the other it's, uh-huh producing is is more important to you or kind of has i think so yeah i mean i i i think so i mean it's 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 kind of like because i what i've discovered is djing is when i've talked well i talked about it just a second ago djing is very in the moment yeah right whereas making music is that's an imprint that's going to last forever whether it's in your mixes or whether it's you playing my song like you know on on a sunset on your roof in Woodbine island or whether it's someone from around the world making babies or, yep. you know, or, or, or some, some, you know, or, or some, you know, produce. I mean, my dream, my dream, like remember back, remember back in the day for DJs, the holy grail of, of being a DJ was having your own global underground CD. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Now the holy grail is having a circle or, or a boiler room video. Right. But as a, say. as a producer, the holy grail is having your song being played by like a Hernan Cataneo. Okay. And like, 
20,000 people around the world all of a sudden one day just track says, ID, I mean, what is that? <laughs> I go to the track source and you're getting the royalties, right? Yeah. That's that's kind of what I'm like, that's my holy grail now, you know, is is that, is is like turning on a boiler room or circle and seeing like a Macy Plex play one of my songs. I don't have to be, I don't have to be, I don't have to be the guy DJing it, but if I could, you know, have my music by being played by someone like that wow, okay. all the time and people listening to it and like, Figuring out who's whose song that is, and then they're buying sh other shit from your catalog. That's what I'm trying to get to. Got it. And that's hard to do. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. It's hard to do. You know, it's hard to do. I, I like. Don't get me wrong. I'll I'll always be a DJ first, and sure. I and I fucking love DJing. I I really love it. Yeah, I really love it. And and but 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 for me, like I said, it's there's just something else that I'm looking for, and that's and I explain that to you. And I'm, yeah. It's, so. it's funny because I was just reading, I'm not going to name any names. I just saw a post on Facebook. You know, we're all connected yeah. with a bunch of the same yeah. people. And, and they were saying, people, people don't even understand how many parties I played in the 90s and how many events I threw and how many raves I was and how many clubs. And, and like the mean guy in me, right? I don't do this on yeah. Facebook anymore because yeah. it's not worth, yeah. it's not worth the energy. Right, but I was right, like, right. what are you doing now? Because that's, that's correct. That shit doesn't matter. And what, I, what I'm getting at is the, the way you've been able to traverse this, and, and like I said, John, same thing, yeah. like embracing social media, using it to your advantage, but yeah. not in a nefarious way. You guys yeah. are just using it to expose <laughs> yeah. your awesome production to get it to the people all over the world. And that that really wasn't, it wasn't available back when it was vinyl. No. You know, they just didn't have that that reach that no. it does now. And I feel like you guys have done a really good job. You've done a good job with that and just getting it out it's there. It's not easy, man. No, I mean, it, it, it's really, it's really... Um, I mean, sometimes it's like, I, I, I've sometimes like, should I like put a cat in my music? And like, cause, cause, cause whenever I mention a fucking cat, there's like 500 likes. But when you mention like, oh, you, you know, your, your, your tracks, number 10 on track source, you know, you get five likes. Maybe you should call it cat source or something, right? Or I don't, I don't, you know, something like that. I mean, there's, it's, it's just, there's, there's the whole social media thing. It really, it really, um, it's kind of puzzling to me. I was talking to um, to my good friend um, and, and and partner uh, DJ Ideal Tomas. Okay. Who's uh you know in San Diego? Who's who's one of the hardest working people in in in, in this industry? I think. Who, I mean, he's like a machine, man. I mean, I, right. I just I just don't I don't understand where he finds a time or or whatever. But you know he and he does a lot of stuff. I mean, he does a lot of big shit. You know, um, you know, all over the country. Yeah. And and you know he's kind of he's a little bit younger than us, right? this conversation like god you know he was like with all the stuff that i do hit i mean him and he says to me well all the stuff you do why are people talking about us like what is what is going on there like mm. like how come you've had you know you've had several number ones everything you know a lot of stuff you do you know charts and i get that there's all the math behind that i mean but but it's like and and you and you and we're doing all this stuff you know and and we're you know we we're not like you know, like a leper colony here. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's like, it's like we have, we have, we have good things going on, but why aren't people talking about that? And and so for me being where I am now, and this is where the imposter syndrome kind of starts to get, make it challenging is, is, is do you have what it takes to do this another five, 10 years? Yeah. I mean, you're going to be fucking 60 at that time. For right. Me. You know, I mean, you know, are the TikTok kids going to like you? You know, yeah. what I, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's like, it sucks that it's come, to that, yeah, right, and and um, and I think 
Marshall Jefferson. I was some. I think it was DJ Pierre or Marshall. I want to say it's DJ Pierre. He was saying something about this recently. And 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 I you got to dig up one of his posts. It, it was it was the post said what happened to the DJ. Mm. And it, and the post was one of those Instagram carousel reels where he wrote something. Each picture had like a couple paragraphs, and you you know you you scroll through it, and it was a very poignant um, thing about the topic. It's like what happened to the DJ, you know, like. Like, like there is, I know for a fact, and it happens a lot in San Diego. San Diego has kind of become this, it went from a sleepy town to now everything is going on there. I mean, you got, right. you got, you got, you know, Insomniac doing stuff there. You got Cross doing stuff there. I mean, just big players in this industry are just doing stuff at the big clubs, but they book stuff based on algorithm. Right. Right. You know, I mean, that's okay. It used to be. It used to be like, hey, who are your friends? It used to be it's all who you know, but now it's all about how do you fit into the algorithm? Yeah. You know, it's kind of, it's it, to me that's just like I don't know. I I I just I just I cannot do and that it makes me some it, and I struggle with that. Do I make music to fit the algorithm? Right. Or do I make music that I just fucking love and that I know has a place out there in the world? And I still am going to choose to make the music that I love. For the place where it belongs in the world, because I know that my music, your music, it belongs somewhere. So now, what's the fucking algorithm for where it belongs? Right. And that's what I'm trying to like unlock right now with all of this. Interesting, you know. And I talk whenever somebody, whenever I'm at a party, or um, and someone's like, "Oh, I'm a I'm a marketing manager, or I'm a social media this or such," and I try to like pick their brain a little bit about sure. things, you know, right? Because it's that's that's really where. That's really where the challenge is now. As an as a as an old school artist, I can be a bitter fucking motherfucking. Oh, no, totally. Like, like I'm not gonna do it. I'm just a vinyl DJ and I'm gonna rust with my vinyl. I'm not that guy. Yeah. You know, I mean, you you know, you're old. Whether you're a young person or an older person, and this, you're always gonna have to keep reinventing yourself. For sure. You know, right? And 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 not see like and not and I'm really inspired by like what the younger kids are doing because it, it challenges me to. What do I need to do to kind of reinvent myself? Yeah. But what does that reinvention mean? Does it mean compromising your authenticity? Which really sucks. And I don't want to do that. You know? I don't want to do that. So that's kind of my big, like, gray area. How am I going to figure this out type of, like, thing? Well, you and, know? and I, you mentioned, you talked a little bit about it. But, I mean, let's say you do figure it out. Or you're figuring it out along the way. Like, is that is that is that big goal, is that big, bold goal for your future? Is it having the Maceo Plex or whoever playing, you know, playing your track? Is it, is it being booked for defected Croatia? Is it like, what, what are, you got any, any like big goals that are back in Terry's secret? What, what does Oprah call it? The dream board or whatever she does. Yeah. To have my own circle video. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's really the, that's, that's that's really the for me that's something i think i'm I'm kind of trying to define right now yeah i'm really i'm really trying to find that right now and 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 you know um a, a, a friend of mine recently she said you know she said something really important and i think it's really important that for for um for producers new producers to to understand this make music for where you want to play mm and, and you will get there, right? The thing is about me 
and the music that I make is that it doesn't really fit anywhere. Like, 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 like I can honestly say that if I put out a techno track, it's not really a techno track. Right. It's just kind of categorized into it because it's the thing it sounds like the most. Right. You know, like, like there's always like a hint of progressive in my stuff, but it's not progressive house. Right. Right. So, so the challenging thing for me is now it's like, do I start my own label mm. to, to, and that, and that's, and I literally like, like a few months ago bought the uh, domain, domain name for my future label. But I also understand how much work that is. For sure. So now it's like, because having a label, it is, it is like a small business. Oh yeah. Right. And, and, and fortunately I have some, I have some resources and some guidance down in San Diego to help me kind of springboard that. But then it goes back into the opportunity cost of the limited right. amount of time. If you're, if you're now, if you're not DJing, you're not producing music, now you're working on this record label, you're yeah. not doing any of the other things. And you still have to promote your music. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it's just, I need like fucking Bitcoin to go up to like $10 million and I can just For do sure. this shit for the rest of my life and, and shit my pants in my fucking studio chair and just make music. And <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, you say that, but I do you know think I mean? because of the, the labels that have picked you up that I mentioned mm -hmm. in the beginning, the, yeah. the people yeah. you've played with, which yeah. I know is just a sliver yeah. of who you've you've played with. Yeah. I think it is because your sound, it, it's hard to define what it is. Are you a tech house or whatever? Like, And it depends on the track too. Right. I think you you slide in nicely to these different these different scenes and people don't even know it before it's too late. You see that and, and yeah. you want to, and that's, and that's, and that's the, that's the effect that I want. Hell but yeah. in that, in a world of algorithm, yeah, how do you market that? Right. Right. You know, like, like I'm like a chameleon. Yeah. You I, know, it, yeah, like literally you. it's kind of like global fucking warming, right? right? You know, it's out there. It's a problem, but no one wants to pay for the fucking solution. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's going to happen. Like literally it's, 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 it's kind of, it's kind of like that. Yeah. Like, it's in that weird thing. So I'm really, really, that's one of my, if you're going to ask me that piece of paper, what are, what's your challenge right now? That's the challenge. Yeah. It's like, you know, like I've, I've, I've actually, I have, a, I have a lot of stuff that I haven't released Yeah. because I've been, I've been, I've been aiming it, you know, towards like bigger labels, but it doesn't fit quite there, right. you know? And it's, I'm trying to find the big labels right now where my music fits. And there's so many fucking labels out there. I mean, there's just like, yeah. I mean, you know, you can spend a whole night doing research on what label send your music to, but then that's the night you're not producing music. Sure. <laughs> right? It's like, so well, is there yeah. is there a fear that like let's say a big label picks you up uh -huh. but they're like, "Yeah, but he's inconsistent cuz one time he'll make this more progressive track and then he'll make this more deep track yeah. and we just don't know like where he falls." Is is that the worry? Well, I'll tell you what. The worry is this. I recently made a track that that and I'm not going to say the what label it was because I'm actually friends with this person on sure. Facebook, the label owner and <coughs> and uh <coughs> sorry. And uh going back to Noble. Yeah. Right? It was a label that um we both loved. Mm. You probably know what it is. I could guess probably you know, five and, I and, and 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 we loved back then. We and like it was just it was kind of like we were the guys playing this the sound from that label, right? Like yeah. in Seattle. And and this label recently had like a renaissance. It kind of died off for a while. It was big, big in the in the, in the early two thousands, and it's kind of like disappeared. Then it had this renaissance, right? And I I purposely made something for this label and it was the first time mm. it was the, and I and I and and after all these years I I 
I did a remix for somebody that and was published, and I did a re I did a remix for someone on 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 Denied Music like like a couple years ago, and this person that I did the remix for I, I don't know who he was, he happened to be personal friends with, um the label owner of this label that I just love and I absolutely adore. Okay. Right. And I built a personal connection with him through like their, the labels, um, Facebook page. Really nice. I mean, like, 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 like as genuine as, as the music as they put out in their label and got it. And I, so, so I, I recently made something specifically for that label. And it was the first time I had made something specifically for a label that was specific to my sound. Okay. And I thought for sure, for sure they're going to pick it up because it felt like... Because you shaped it. I shaped it. <laughs> yeah. And it felt like what the label is or what it used to be or what I remember it, it was, right? And I thought for sure. I, I was fucking feeling in my bones. I was I, When I was in the Philippines, I made this track. I'm going to fucking play tonight too. Yeah. So nice. I, was, I, was, I, was, I was feeling in my bones. And the guy's now label partner didn't like it for the label. And I was absolutely fucking crushed wow. when that happened. I thought, because it was one of those things where I thought for sure, like, like yeah. 100%. I mean, like, 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 literally, I was in tears thinking that it was going to get signed. Right. Just because the stars were aligning for it. It was a track that came together so easily. It has a story. It has a background. I've, I've been a fan of this label for fucking 25 years. I've yeah. got like... A stack of this many of their fucking records. Yeah. Right? I'm in this Facebook group. Have a personal connection. Did a remix for this fucking guy's friend. Right? <laughs> right. So I thought for sure it was going to happen. And it didn't happen. And I have not shopped that track to any other label. Mm. And it's just sitting in my in my thing. And I don't know what to do. I mean, I know, I know eventually I always have faith that, you know what, you're... Your music's going to end up where it belongs. Right. It's going to end up somewhere. I mean, it's going to end up somewhere. But... That was a that was a fucking crushing thing. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really like, man. That was like, that was that was that was a crusher, right? Well, there. I was gonna ask you yeah. about that too because yeah. you know I, I didn't know if the level of rejection, if that, if that, a, if it still hits you, and b, does it hit you hard when your music's not picked up by a label, mm -hmm. or is it just when you have that intention that is so targeted? See, that's a really good question because that's that's such a really good question because, you know. When you send out your stuff, I mean, labels, number one, you know, you, you got to respect them because they're getting like tons of fucking oh, music. Sure. I mean, like, and then, and then the good thing about that is the more music you send out, the more you find out who listens to your music. Mm. And then you start building a personal connection with that person, even though they're rejecting your music. Right. Yeah. And, and if you're lucky enough, they'll give you feedback. Most of them don't, though. Most of them don't. But there's a couple labels out there where I'm really close. I'm I'm really close. A lot of these big labels, and they have guys that they actually respond. But that's very that's like maybe like five percent of labels you send your music to. Okay. Sometimes they don't listen. Most times they don't listen to it. Sure. Sometimes they do, but you never hear from them. But they listen to so much stuff. Yeah. Right. And so like I never send my music on a Friday night. I never send it on a Monday morning. I always send it in the middle of the week. I always find out where the label's headquartered. And I tie my email so that they get it like first thing in the morning when they're they have the best energy, not when not when they're pissed off and they right, want right. to go home or whatever. Then you have labels like Glasgow Underground who have people that actually there's like an army of people that just listen to shit 
to demos. Like wow. that, that fact that it has like like labels um, or people, A&Rs that like there's 10 of them right. that just listen to stuff. That's just their job. And then they, they give it to like, you know, they give it to the final decision maker. It has to go up a chain. But most of the music that I've put out, I've had a personal connection somehow to that label. Okay. Right. And that's always helpful. Yeah. You know, right. So, but that's, yeah, that's, that's really, as far as the rejection thing is, it's, it's that for that one label I was mentioning, that was tough. Yeah. But for other labels, no, it's not because I know it's a, I know it's a business. And even with this, even when that label I was mentioning, I know it's a business too. I mean, there's only so many tracks a label can put out each year. Yeah. Depending on the budget of the label, depending on how, how big it is, obviously. Right. Some labels only put out tracks once a month. That's all they can afford because right. there's so much that goes into marketing the music, making them, you know, you know, doing radio stuff, promoting it, you know, you know, doing artwork. I mean, there's only so much budget that labels have. So, um, so I, tr I definitely don't take it personally, I, or at least I try not to take it sure. personally. Yeah. And yeah. you, 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 maybe a dumb question, but when you like you come up with a track, right? Uh -huh. And Terry just sent on a track. Uh -huh. Do you send it out to like five or ten different labels, um, and just and and kind of rattle the cage, see who comes back? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 all about like. So I have I have a list of of labels, right? Yeah. That that I shop, or that I know their sound, or that I that are are that I I have artists I buy music from that are on those labels. Okay, right. And then I I just have a list of, of like maybe like 50, 60 labels, right, of, of labels. And then there's top tier ones, mid tier ones, whatnot. Like I said, it all depends on the track and it all depends on the intention, you know. Um, and and um, some tracks I'll be like, you know what, it's, it's good for this label. It's a local label and I don't even go down the list. Mm. Right. I don't even because I know it's just, it's just going to be good for that label. It'll work for that. It'll yeah. work for that label. Or obviously, you know, when you do remixes, you have to do it for that label sure. that does the that does remix. But then those mix stuff that that you make and you hope it gets to a certain thing, um, and you just go down the list and then you send it out. Um, there is a there's a good website called Label Based. I think it's labelbased.net, and labelbased.net has like a database of I don't know seven thousand, eight thousand labels, like okay. all all whatever genre you can like filter what genre. Um, you like, and then and then it'll have like a list of labels, and you can sort it by SoundCloud followers, Facebook followers, like stuff like that, and what genre they 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 have, and then they'll have the contact for the A and R person, like the email you can mm. send it to, right? And you know, so or you or you you know you you got to go to the label's website and see how they want the demos to be sent. Sometimes you upload it through their demo portal. There's all these different ways to submit stuff to labels, but there's you know, like I said, there's you find out. Through that process, who actually listens to your stuff? Right, you know. But it's yeah. much. It, well, what I'm learning is it's it's a lot more, or it can be a lot more thoughtful process and a lot more targeted than I had assumed before. And and it's also, frankly, it sounds like it's a lot harder than I would have assumed. If you're yeah. a, a producer yeah. that's putting out tracks that are hitting number one or top ten on Beatport, mm -hmm. you would think my me being a little ignorant to the process would think well, shit, I put another track out, like these guys are going to listen to it and probably pick it up right away. But yeah. it doesn't necessarily go down it, like it, that. It doesn't, it, go, like... it doesn't go down like that. It, it definitely doesn't go down like that, you know? So it's, um, you know, I mean, I mean, if, if you imagine like, if you imagine walking into a record store, right? Imagine walking into a record store and your email box is full of all those songs on a SoundCloud links. Yeah. Like, how are you going to pick from that? 
Yeah. I mean, are you, are you even going to get through that as a as an A and R person for for a record label? Are you being able to get through that? And then the next week you get the same amount of emails. Yeah. It's, it's so the process is, I think I think what's happening now with a lot of these labels, and I and I hear this from a lot of people who are close to people that are you know big own you know big owners of these labels. It's becoming it's now just kind of in this pocket of do I know this person yeah. personally? Yeah. Do I have a personal connection with that? Interesting. Right. And so and so here's the thing. Going back to the opportunity cost of how much time you spend with your music, do you spend time making the music, DJing, or networking to the label, or people that know the labels? Right. Right? And so it's like if you're out there networking, you're not in the studio making the music. You know, so what what, what do you do? It's like complicated you, it's so dance, complex. man. It, wow. really, it really is. It, it's, almost, it's almost like hitting the fucking lottery ticket. Yeah, it, it really it, it like it really is, you know, these days. But I will say as you know? a as a pure consumer, uh -huh. because I don't produce. Right. Uh -huh. I, I, I consume and I DJ and, you know, I kind of like try to put out my own content. But, you know, I'm just having a good time. Right. Yeah. And, and, and it's because the, the core value is I love the music. But I will tell you when I see a new Terry Jacinto track, I'm going to go listen to it because I know you. I know. I, don't, I can't say I know your sound because it does move around, but mm -hmm. I know the quality and I know, yeah. and, and I will definitely, you know, go to you before I go to a, a name that I don't recognize. And I think that is the one thing that, you know, that's the currency somewhat too. Like you said, people know you or they know your quality of work yeah. and they're probably going to check it out at least, you know, sort of the, the casual consumers, right? Like, that's, yeah, that's exactly how, how I shop for music. Yeah. You know, there, there are some guys and girls out there that, they're, they're kind of a little bit all over the place. Yeah. I mean, you know, but, and you know what to expect. Like, you know, you expect mm -hmm. that quality. Like, it's not just going to be right. fucking junk. You might not buy it. Like, I don't, I don't expect people to buy all of my stuff. I mean, you know, I mean, some, some do, some don't, but, yeah. but I mean, even my favorite artists, I don't buy all their stuff. Yeah. You know, but sure. I know that I'm going to, if I see like an audio jack, for example, for I'm sure. going to fucking listen to audio jack. Absolutely. Track, you yeah. know, I mean, and half the time I'll buy it, but I know it's going to be, no matter what, it's going to be good. But it might not be, and if I don't, if I don't buy it, it might not be, it might not fit into what I'm doing at the time. I guess, you know, yeah. yeah. This is so my this my sense was this is exactly what I'd hear from you. Like this, I just always sense you have this level of kind of organization and work uh -huh. ethic, uh, you know. In this, but I, I hadn't connected with you for uh -huh. so long. It's so cool to, yeah. I'm I'm just gonna to say I'm right. I was right. Like it's it you have a, you have this this process and this ethic. But then my mind keeps going, well, what the fuck does Terry do for fun? Like outside of music, <laughs> like, do, is there time? Do you, I know you're a family man, you got kids, like. I like to girlfriend. eat, man. Okay. I mean, I like, I like to travel. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I like to travel as much as possible. That's, uh, you know, um, you know, I've, I, uh, I've done a lot of traveling since, I mean, I've been to Seattle twice. Sure. In the last, since the first quarter, I've been to the Philippines, went to Tulum. You know, going to Vegas next month okay. to play for the Viva Twenty Five Year. That looks like it's gonna be party. So fun. You know that that's gonna be really fun. You know, um, and uh, I'm coming up here again uh, in the summertime. I can't say exactly when because it's not, but it's gonna happen. You right. know, and I, I've got a couple other things going on down down south, but um, that's always been like the 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 dream is to, you know, or or I guess if you say what's the end game for you, right? It's yeah. it's gonna be. Having a, having a having a very portable, how should I say it, agile type of life where yeah. I don't have a lot on my shoulders because you know I don't have you know I don't have like a lot of 
things and possessions. What I have is the most important to me. Right. And I could I can drop it at a dime and I can move somewhere and I can work there for like a few months or whatever. Yep. I mean, obviously I got you know I got my one son. I mean, I'm, my my oldest one's out the door in Chicago. That's yeah. good. So I'm halfway there. Yeah, yeah. Right. I'm, 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 I'm halfway I'm halfway there. But I mean, you know, it's I'm in a situation where I'm, I'm I have a lot of flexibility. Even yeah. even though I'm still raising him, he's 13. You know, I'm still raising him. I have a lot of flexibility with what I can do. My, you know, my, his his mom is super like chill about. Okay, you know, she's like, I'm gonna go to Burbank this year. What weekend do you want to trade or whatever? We're super like that's like, great. If yeah. I have to go play at a festival somewhere, hey, and it's a date that I have with my son, we'll switch weekends. It's it's I have I still have that flexibility, you know. Got it. But I mean, if I guess the end game would be like, yeah, to to have just a more simplified life. Um, do the music thing and, and and travel with the music, I guess, right? But not almost, almost like a vehicle, though. It's it's almost, a vehicle for yeah. travel and for doing the other things. Yeah. Okay. And, and but I, I'm also cognizant too that like that that like being like a big touring DJ, it's not necessarily what I want to do. It looks hard, honestly. It is hard. Yeah. I mean, it is it is hard. I mean, even just doing shit in in in, in Southern California, going from you know L.A. or Tucson or San Diego or whatever, and everyone's San Diego. It's it's it, those are rough weekends, man. I mean, you know, and so and so to be like a big touring DJ. I mean, it looks glamorous and stuff, but it's not. It's hard on your body. It's 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 tough. And yeah, you know, would I like to do that once in a while? Exactly. Yeah, it'd be great. You know, I was um, yeah, I was watching the John. You know, John Summit. He's a yeah. young young. Yeah, you he's know, always a San Diego. Stud DJ, right? Like yeah. And and on the one hand, you look at his Instagram, and he's like, he's a, he's in he's in freaking you know Phuket, and then he's in Paris, and then he's in in and these massive like beautiful clubs, yeah. and but then you start to really think about the logistics, like he's on a plane every day, yeah, day, no, and it's hard work, yeah. At so, our age, <coughs> I don't know. I mean, some people really like that, yeah, you know. But but me, it's like you know, I I I I like to like, you know, like 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 for example, like 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 going to Tulum. People are like, oh, you playing down there? You have a gig? I'm like, no, I'm just going down there to, to chill. chill out. I'm just, <laughs> yeah. I mean, did I bring my USB key and said in, in case someone fucking passes out on DJ booth, which is very possible, which happened to me before? <laughs> I, I can, I can, and I end up playing the playing the gig. Absolutely, you know. But, 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 like, but, like, um, it'd be nice to like do like a four or five day thing. Sure. Play the gig, spend about four or five days there, doing some remote work on some thing that's not too overly, like, mentally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Like taxing on your brain, and just be able, and just being able to be present where you are, and 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 that. So I've I've like I've invested more. I, that's why I've like I've kind of like sold a lot of my hardware. Okay, and I've 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 collected more like plugins, more more virtual things. You know, I got a new like um you know portable workstation, so I can like if I have to, you know, like when I was in the Philippines, I can just bring my work with me and be there for three weeks and, and make right. a track. You know, right, and nice. then and do work and do my work remotely or whatever, and be yeah. somewhere. I think that's really the nice, the nice, the end game to this. All, yeah, right. You know, yeah. I mean, the one thing that I haven't heard, which I really dig, and I didn't know if I would or not, is like you you have a competitive spirit about the yeah. whole thing, but but you're not in that like that that anxious sort of bitter competitive place that some of the people I talk to who are our age who are uh -huh. still it feels like they're kind of hanging on to the the music thing mostly nostalgic you know like they're, right they're not really progressing they just kind of wish they they wish it was like it used to be and you know yeah but don't we all fucking wish that a little bit <laughs> right? all, i, I mean, wish seven, my knees didn't hurt but I mean, yeah fucking seven fisher made a song about it the way we used to do it you know i mean it's <laughs> yeah, like totally. you know i mean it's there's always the nostalgia and 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 you know 
that's gonna kill you. That for like, sure. Like like nostalgia is is fun in the moment, but it's the killer of joy. Yeah. Because you're living in the past. Yeah. You're projecting in the past, and you're projecting too much in the future. And yeah. I've I've really look. I used to be one of those bitter motherfuckers. I mean, yeah. I used to. I went through I, it too. I I think we all do, right? And 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 some of us are more public about it than others, right? Yeah. You know. Um. But. But I think really it's it's if you just master this living in the moment in the here and now. Yeah. And I've I've just recently I've just recently gotten to that phase where I can do I can at least do that a little bit. Yeah. It's it's it really helped me a lot. You know, because it's like why spend an energy like hating and like being a keyboard warrior and you should be fucking like instead of typing, oh I hate the CDJs now, you should be like writing fucking, you know, typing in uh, a, a new whatever in, in Ableton or something like that or right. type in a new automation. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, how do you want to spend your energy? Yeah. You know, and if I'm going to, if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go, I'm going to go down swinging and swinging doing work. Yeah. You know? Love so, it. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I think, yeah. Well, I want to get you behind the decks. Okay. Um, but, is there any, you know, I don't know if there's any like present projects you want to shout out. I know you're doing the weekly dance classique. Um, right, right. Like yeah. Any any events or projects or remixes or anything you're working on or any crews you want to shout out to? I want to give you the opportunity. You know, like I said, I mean, like 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 this weekend, if you can get out by this weekend, my good friend Oscar P, who um, who has been um, he's 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 been like the kind of the mentor I've been looking for in San Diego mm. and and whatnot. He's done he's done so much for our music and like. Most uh, a, a, a good portion of my productions are under labels that he distributes for, and that he does A and R for. Nice. Right. So Oscar P is actually one of the first people that gets my music. Okay. I actually give him first dibs. Hey, do you like it? Because I know that Oscar is gonna do a lot for my music. It's not only about sending your music to a big label. It's about sending your music to a label that's gonna do something right. about your music. Right. And Oscar P is just one of those people that that you know. I mean, my two number ones are in labels that he he distributes for and A&R's nice. for. So he's taught me a lot of like really uh really uh, uh inside secrets about the music industry business on that side. Anyway, so you know, um he's up here, you know, playing at the Viva party. Yep. Um on on Saturday. Monkey Loft. At right? Monkey Loft, yep. right? And so that's gonna you know, be good. That's gonna be fun. So I I I um I extended my my vacation just to see him and then he's obviously playing with me this fall, this coming Wednesday at Dance Classic, nice. which is my fiftieth birthday. So wow. I, I typically I know right. It's fuck no. I, <laughs> no I, you look great, man. I, thank you. I appreciate. Well, you look good too, man. I, I mean, you know, 50. but that's I, yeah, fifty's <laughs> a new twenty. I mean, I guess right. You know, but um, so that's that's kind of what I want to shout out. I mean, Dance Classic, obviously. Um, we had Trinity Trinitron last yep. last week, and that was really fun. They really loved her. I want to get her in here too, man. She, they yeah. really loved her. I mean, they they like they like. Uh, that a dance classic they love that like grindy just good oh, just yeah. deep stuff yep yep you know um very it's very much like the flammable of of san diego it's yeah. been going on for 24 years and amazing you know um um you know every every wednesday dude and, you're talking i might extend my flight i might i might have to stay dude, there for pretty that. fun man you know i mean it, it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be fun i mean i mean you know random people like you know like jordan strong was in there yeah. that a couple weeks ago yep. you know just randomly and just uh just you know just happen to be there it's so it's 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 like the staple of of that community yeah. you know but as far as um other projects i mean i'm with john lee yeah he and i were playing to, you know i i have a remix that i did for him on that's coming out denied music at some point sweet we're playing together for uh music is for lovers in in july right down there um obviously the vegas the viva recordings uh uh soul kitchen um 20 plus year anniversaries uh 
Cinco de Mayo um, weekend in May. That's going to be May 6th and 7th. I'm playing, I'm playing with Demarcus Lewis um, at 18 Bin on Sunday. Demarcus played for Dance Classique like two nice. months ago, actually. He was he was he was playing for us recently. So cool. Um, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, as so as far as the first, the second quarter of this year, I mean, that's really it. And and um, and as far as like music projects are going, I I'm I'm spending some when I get back home. No, literally not to San Diego home. When I get back home tonight, I'm gonna send some tracks out to some later. Nice. So I'm in that shopping phase still of some stuff and. Just finishing some current projects. I mean, that's that's really it, you know. Love it, man. Um, for right now, and then summer is—it's really all about laying the groundwork for summer. And summer's a whole—I can't even think about summer right now. Yeah, I just can't. Well, don't stop, man. You're killing. <laughs> you're killing it. It's I awesome. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. You Thank know, you. and so what I want to do is give you a chance to get behind okay. the decks, awesome. and you know, I, I think I just want to—if there's—I think you're going to do something a little unique tonight. So I oh, want to yeah. give you a chance to just mention. Yeah. So 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 you know, tonight you know you're asking me, hey, you know, can you send me a, a track list of what you're going to play? I'm like. I'm like, you know what? I've actually never played a set that's entirely my productions. So I'm going to do it. I'm not going to play all my songs. Love it. But at the whole hour, 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 hour and a half, however whatever, long it goes, however man. long it goes, is going to be all of my original work that I've made, um, um, that I published, and okay. some things that are signed, and a couple things that are not signed, that are still just, they're just projects that I've, I've, one of them I finished like last year and I haven't signed it yet. Love it. You know, one of them is going to be the track I talked about, um, you know, tonight, that the Heartbreak track. Maybe yeah. I'll call it the fucking Heartbreak. <laughs> yeah, call it the Heartbreak. <laughs> you know what like I mean? Like, you know what I'm saying, right? It, it's actually called uh, Play What You Feel. Yeah. And it's a, it's a, it's a, a, a sample uses uh, 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 Marshall Jefferson's voice that, okay. and whatnot, right? Nice. He's talking about having a speech about how he used to be and all that stuff. And yep. I, and all that stuff. So that's yeah. So that's gonna be the the thing. I figure why not for my fiftieth birthday, just kind of do a little commemoration for for for. Man, that's work. no. I think it's gonna yeah. be amazing. When you first told me that, I was so stoked. Like I got I I get goosebumps when I hear certain songs. When I hear something cool, and I was like, oh, that's that's gonna. Be now cool. the challenging thing is mixing them together, and that and that's and that's the thing. You know, Oscar, he said to me, you know, just to kind of wrap wrap this up. Oscar's like Terry, you you know, you need to be playing more of your music, and I was like. Mm -hmm. And for me, as a producer, when you hear something so much, yeah, and then when you blend it together with something else, it just it fucks with your mind, man. And 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 sometimes I like I'll like even my mixes will get loose. I and, see. And I'll be like, and sometimes and unless it's a song that I really love, there's a, and there's a few songs of mine that I've made that I I really love and I play them in certain situations. I I, I tend to avoid playing my songs. Interesting. Because of that, because it just sounds different. It doesn't sound like how I made it. And it just kind of, to me, it sounds uh, unsettling in a way. Okay. So I'm gonna have some of these, and yeah, <laughs> I got a few of those in the you fridge know, and, for you. And, and, and try to make, uh, try to make this a good set. Yeah, man. Yeah. No, it's gonna yeah. be great. Well, oh. thank you for coming through. We oh, really man. appreciate it. I really, I'm really honored to be here. I really appreciate it, and you know, I, I, I you know, I love talking about stuff obviously so you know any anytime always here for you guys yeah and you know? when you come back in summer come back through we'll I do we'll that. do a round two awesome sure. awesome right on all, all right, right thanks seattle house mafia thanks for joining us for another episode of seattle house mafia's industry interviews if you want to watch the full video of this interview including an exclusive mix from our guest head over to seattlehousemafia.com forward slash youtube 
And before you go, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. For all things Seattle House Mafia, including our upcoming shows, latest mixes, gear reviews, and more, you can visit seattlehousemafia.com.